Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, I'm joined by the Reverend Dr. Paul Sewage as we talk about the importance of Advent and the first sermons in the series entitled Peace on Earth. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching. Today, in the armchair with me is, well, not in the same armchair. That would be weird. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Paul Sewich. Welcome, Paul. Welcome, welcome. And it's glad that we're, it's good that we're not in the same so armchair. next time, do we get to try the same armchair just to see what it's like? <laughs> I don't think I have an armchair big enough in my <clears throat> office. I have a lot of armchairs, but yeah. I don't know if I have one that big. It'd be sofa preaching. It'd be sofa preaching. Yeah, that would, that's what it'd be called. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Paul. Greetings, greetings. Glad to have you in the armchair again. Yes, indeed. Yes, we, indeed. we kick off a um, new series uh, this past week, yes. uh, uh, November 27th, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, um, which it's always fun to kick off the Advent series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and, and, I, and I, I don't know about you. I, I appreciate Advent quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um it was interesting because I talked to folks in the um, the Agape Sunday School class that I teach, and and you know, and in our congregation is, um, you know, we've been around a long time, right? The congregation has been, uh, but yes, it's interesting that we are in a you know a, a period of time where people's um, even Christians' uh, religious experience growing up is 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 very, uh, it's varied. It's it's quite v- diverse. Yeah, very diverse. So talking mm-hmm. to the agape class, about half of them grew up Presbyterian or in a mainline, mm-hmm. and they knew exactly what Advent was. They had mm-hmm. they'd grown up with it, and the other half had 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 no experience with Advent before they came to FPC. What mm-hmm. was your you 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 grew up um, with Advent as as part of your is that is that accurate? or not accurate um yes my my father was catholic my mother had been presbyterian and so i was raised initially in the episcopal church okay as something of a compromise right in the middle right in the middle (laughs) until i was six i made it through confirmation and then it's it's a not it's it's a tangential story but we ended up Essentially, dropping out of church okay. uh, until I was a teenager, okay. uh, and and then I had only uh, vague recollections. Yeah, as far as I as as I remembered, the New Testament was a book of stories. Yeah. About Jesus and Peter and people like that, and the Old Testament was a book of stories of people like um, Moses and Joshua and Daniel. Yeah, and I thought the whole book. Was consumed with stories, just stories. Yeah, one story after the other, the, after the other. Yeah, <laughs> so it was a great surprise to me to uh, to learn what was really in the scriptures. Yeah, uh, when I uh, later really came to a position of of understanding faith as a teenager. So Advent as a not not a not a part of your formative mm-hmm. years. Yeah. But in your adult life, uh, coming to uh, Presbyterian churches, you, you served in Presbyterian church before you came yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your kind of overall impression of the importance of the Advent season as it relates to kind of Christmas? Well, you know, certainly 
attending to the reality of the two advents, yeah. the one that we experienced 2,000 years ago yeah. and the one that could happen any time. As you said, 100 trillion years from now. Yeah, right? <laughs> sometime, sometime within the next 100 trillion years, give or take 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, and we, we tend to focus, if we focus, the majority of our efforts tend to go towards remembering the events that lead up to Christ's birth, Christ's yeah. advent yeah. with us. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, so I, because I think, you know, this is, this is Jesus' birthday. Yeah. How are we celebrating? We're preparing to celebrate his birthday. Yeah. And how do we do that? Well, we give each other presents. Yeah. Uh, we go to a lot of parties. We do a lot of cookies. Lots of cookies. Lots of cookies, eggnog, other things. How How is that actually? So the the thing that excites me is that uh, within the church, yeah. I think we, we get some things well, at least. Yeah. Uh, and so you can, you can with, with relatively small financial outlay, you can equip a family yeah. to live much, much better. Yeah. So, you know, twenty to forty dollars, you can improve the lives of, you know, four to six people. Yeah. Uh, and so we do. Or or you can be in uh, a, a you can fill a box with with toys and supplies. You can uh, take you can sponsor a child who's yeah. growing up in an orphanage. You can uh, there's all kinds of ways, you're giving a meal at Thanksgiving, there's all kinds of ways to get engaged yeah. and give to the people with whom Jesus identifies. That makes a lot more sense to me yeah. as preparation for his celebration. Yeah. Is there a part of the – so you, you – um, for those that don't know, you actually do a, a lot of hands-on work in terms of prepping the liturgical elements in the mm-hmm. classic service. Mm-hmm. Is there a part of the liturgical elements – as it relates to Advent in, in in the classic service specifically, the practices that 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 we we enact in a classic service that you that really uh, inspires you or or um, gives you a, a, an extra sense of God's presence or a focus on who God is. Uh, when you started to ask the question, I started to think of the Advent wreath yeah. and the liturgy that we've developed here at FPC for looking at, at love, joy, peace, uh, hope, hope, and and the the presence of Christ Himself. Yeah. But really, as you finished the question, uh, my mind went back to the confession of sin and yeah. the assurance of pardon, uh, drawn from. The Gospels and drawn from the Old Testament, helping us to look at who who this is that has come to us. What does it mean yeah. to us that that Jesus came and pitched his tent among mm. us and to dispel the darkness? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think the majority of our culture uh, just tries to distract from the mm. darkness. Yeah, right. So you get eighteen streaming services. Yeah, and. Um, lock and load and do everything you can to not pay attention to the darkness or yeah. tell stories where the darkness uh, is soundly defeated um, instead of taking it seriously as, as you were preaching in your sermon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and I look at the, one of the things I love about uh, the way we typically do the Advent observance in the worship services mm-hmm. is, is, um, 
we invite, and we've done it in different ways in different years, and some years we haven't done this, and some years we've used different representation, but but to have members of the congregation who are not typically involved mm-hmm. in the, the, the orders of worship uh, take an active part in calling people to worship, calling people to focus on the the coming of Christ. Um, like like this past weekend, classic. You had the the Klein, Klein family. the Klein family, who yeah. incidentally completely hit the ball no. out of yeah. the park. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, you save your best batter for fourth <laughs> position to clean up and get everybody off the of base. At first pres, we send up the Casey on bat yeah. position number one, and the, the Klein girls did such an excellent job. Because yeah. I did not write that for children to speak, and those girls took that on, yeah. and their their engagement with it, mm. uh, and and their joy, and their innocence, it, it was just marvelous. If yeah. you didn't, it, there's no videotape There's of no it. video, because that, that so, was in person. That's those are the things, that's the things that you miss. Like, see, I didn't yeah. get to see that, because I was in Vine, right. and we had uh, Kitty Ginn and uh, Jean Ginn, yeah. who are active uh, parts of our community um, here at FPC. Jean plays in the, in the band. You don't often hear him talk, though. Uh, right. Kitty is uh, one of our, our, our partners in ministry, because yeah, she sure. herself is an ordained pastor mm-hmm. and a chaplain, and so that was... That that was neat, but then to hear the the clients, it, it, that's what I, I, I get inspired by seeing um, people who are not often in part a part of our worship or in a different context. Like Kitty has preached in our church, right. but to do something like you know lighting the it just it helps kind of remind people that you know liturgy is literally the work of the people that's yes. what that's what it's that's what it means you know and that helps us kind of focus our attention a little bit especially at this time yeah the, the methodists have this uh, drumbeat that everyone has gifts and all are to be involved that, that's yeah. a theme for us as presbyterians the methodists really just stay on that and i think that's where they do well yeah they yeah and even to even to the sacraments because mm-hmm. in in, this, in their sacramental theology they do like in presbyterian church we limit who right. can participate and um, and perform the sacrament mm-hmm. only to ministers of word and sacrament and elders. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Methodist church, I mean, I was serving communion as a child. I mean, serving it to people as mm-hmm. a child because, to your point, in the Methodist church, that 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 is one of the things mm-hmm. that they do. They do um, exceedingly well. And and you know, as we opened this series, you know, we had uh, some pretty big scripture passages to. <laughs> Unpack and and I know that you know you have a passion for uh, the book of Genesis, especially that first chapter. I mean, mm-hmm. you even regaled us with some just beautiful Hebrew. I, I was I was somewhat oh, yeah. I was somewhat jealous at the ability to just rattle off the the Hebrew uh, in you know in its original form. Well, don't think that I can just rattle off <laughs> the entire book of Genesis. That's uh, that's. Uh, that's where that was one of the sentences that I zeroed in on early on. Yeah, because it's it's the gateway. Yeah, it is. And then and then you have the the parallel passage in John chapter one. Mm-hmm. So we right. we had these. So you know, as you're approaching these two, um, I, I would I, I hesitate to use this phrase, but I think it, it is important. I think it mm-hmm. is appropriate. These are almost pillar 
passages in the whole of Scripture. Yes. Because you get, obviously, the, the beginning of God's work with all creation, um, because as you pointed out, which I, I, I loved, is that, you know, God pre-exists everything, mm-hmm. but we only know about God in his activity through his creation. So the fact that God, you know, we, we get this Genesis 1, this pillar statement about the God who creates, and then in John 1, um, the God who redeems is the same God who mm-hmm. creates. So what was the challenge for you approaching these two pillar passages in the context of our Advent season and, and kind of saying, okay, well, how am I going to drill down? What was the challenge that you felt like you were facing as you approach those two passages in the new testament oftentimes an author will cite a verse Mm -hmm. jesus on the cross and he says eloi eloi lama sabachthani yeah and he's not simply referring to that one phrase yeah he's referring to the entire psalm yeah right and so i i began to wonder well if 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 john is obviously uh, appropriating the words from Genesis one, mm. Genesis one one he, that he's he's included all the themes. Yeah. Then what is he asking us to meditate on? Yeah. What is it that that we're to take from Genesis one? So it's not only that one sentence. You you, you tended to camp out more on the the darkness and the confusion and the chaos yeah. and how that reigns and then how God is is coming to bring light to that darkness yeah uh so that that's a portion of what i looked at i i went on then to look at more of genesis one through three yeah 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 and and to me you know looking at those i i'm sure you know there was a there, there was a sense in which there's all you know, there's so much material right there's so much that you right. can do and there's so many images that you can focus on, which is, this is, again, this is one of the benefits of being at FPC, where you have two preachers approaching the same passages, mm-hmm. because then you get a fuller range of some of the images that can be, you know, that could be unpacked. And even then, you know, you've got two sermons that probably combined way in at, you know, 40 minutes total, mm-hmm. you're still not even scratching the surface, right? right? Um, from it, it, and as you know, I love the book of Genesis. I mean, oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I, I love it. Um, I, I'm never disappointed when I go, especially to Genesis one, two, and three, to find just new nuances. And and uh, for me, the, the narrowing down process is uh, can be very excruciating. <laughs> yeah, if you have a sense though of of what are the often repeated themes. Yeah. I mean, you see this theme, it's stated here, it's stated here, it's going to be stated again 10 chapters later, you're going to see it yeah. 20 more times before we get to the New Testament, mm-hmm. then, then sticking with those themes that are, are repeated both uh, in, in word and in phrase, that, that gives you some sense of, of, of knowing what, what is, what's the main path yeah, and and what are the the side paths the side that path, you can yeah, take? Yeah, yeah, and and we both went and talked about um, the Genesis three problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you almost have to if you're going to go from Genesis one and you're going to talk about John one, 
you've got to include that Genesis 3 problem. Mm-hmm. We approached it differently. Uh, I, you know, like as you mentioned, I, I approached it from the, 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 the standpoint of chaos and darkness, right. that God has brought order to the creation. Uh, the, you know, the serpent is tempting Adam and Eve with trusting this new order. And I loved, uh, you, you, Paul, one of the things that you do exceptionally well is you, you, you use a, a word in a way that is unexpected. You talked about ingesting yeah, evil. evil. Mm-hmm. And, and just the, the physicality of that word to mm-hmm. me is, it was very profound. Uh, and, but you really focused then on the, the, the consequences of, the 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 ingesting of evil mm-hmm. the the pain the futility the alienation. and the alienation mm-hmm. so i wonder if you talk just a second and we can just uh, just kind of unpack it a little bit more because again neither one of us quoted genesis uh, genesis 3 we just alluded to it right but all of those themes are there in genesis 3 so you know when you're reading the Genesis three problem and and relating it to one both the, the paradise that you you know you talked about it as the the paradise of Eden to the redemption of Christ and mm-hmm. and the recreation of of you know hope in Christ you know that Genesis three chapter is mm-hmm. pivotal. Where what are the, some of the things that you were like, man? If this was a Bible class and I'm going to unpack this this the you know the Genesis one to Genesis or to John one, and I've got to insert mm-hmm. the problem of sin in Genesis three. What else are what are the other things that you would say? I can't do this in a sermon, but if I had more time, this is what we would really focus where, on. Where would we go? I I skipped over the days of creation, yeah, and really did not pay much attention to the first to genesis 2 i really skipped over the majority of genesis 2 yeah uh, and all that is just chock full of what i would consider to be foundational understanding mm-hmm. if you're gonna be if you're gonna uh, i had a this did not make it into my sermon i had a professor at in seminary mm-hmm. who one day said the old testament is of no more value to you than the Bhagavad Gavita. <laughs> At which point, I slam my notebook closed. I got nothing more to li- I can't uh, learn anything from this guy. Yeah. And uh, and Kenny Ellis just just put his hand on me. He was like, "Okay, okay, calm breathe, calm down, Get breathe. Don't steam don't coming see. out of your ears." Yeah. Um, I I came to appreciate that what what he's concerned about is that there are. There are decades and centuries of triumphalism where where we in the West have gone and done missions to create people in our image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And the way that the, the Old Testament was used, mm-hmm. you know, you know, with the, if you're a Native American and you see these pilgrims showing up, and then lo and behold, what it turns out is that they believe that they are the heirs of of the Israelite teachings, yeah, and that the Native Americans are all the ites. They're the Jebusites and the <laughs> the Perizzites and whoever, and and uh, they're the ones to be dominated. Yeah. Then how how can they view the gospel as any kind of good news? Yeah. Right. So I think that I think that's what he he he's reacting to the abuses that we've committed 
Uh, and in so doing, I, he unfortunately he just throws the baby out with throws the bathwater. Throws the baby out with the bathwater, right? right. And, and that's what I would love to see reclaimed is, yeah. is to go through uh, and and look at each of these elements. Yeah, that pain, the futility, and th- and that those are those are themes that come right out of Genesis right. three, and, and they're woven right into that promise of redemption. Yeah, absolutely. That they've they've run into. They've run into the bushes, literally. Yeah, thinking that some, not thinking that that's what sin occludes mm-hmm. our ability to reason. Yeah, right? and so they, they're in, they're just in panic mode. When you get triggered and you're panicked, your thinking is not clear whatsoever. Yeah. So, God calls to them, and what they expect is exactly what you talked about. God would be just yeah. if He said, you know what. I left you with one thing. I asked you to trust me. One thing. Yeah, one, one, job thing. To, one job one, to do. One job. You can eat anything. Yeah. You can have strawberry and tree of life smoothies. You can <laughs> have, you know, banana shakes with tree of life crumbles. Yeah. Anything you want, just one, do one thing. not ingest evil. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they, they, they each of them, Adam and Eve is not one or the other. Both of them, in turn, yeah. consider, well, you know, I might, in fact, be missing out. Yeah. There might be a way that I could have more than what God is offering yeah. me. And so they justified yeah. that. And so then what they anticipate is that God is going to say, how dare you, squash and and they're going to get squashed. Yeah. And that is exactly what does not happen. Though they died spiritually. Yeah. Um, they were given that opportunity. They're gi- and, and God gives them redemption. The yeah. first thing that he does is to deal with the serpent yeah. and to give the promise of redemption. Yeah. Then he turns to Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve to say, here's the consequences. Yeah. Here's, here's the reality of what you've done now. Yeah. And that all that forms the backdrop of why people look at us and say, how can you believe that God would create such a world? Yeah. How, how can you call God good when you have you know, babies who are born with agonizing conditions? How can you call good when you know, innocent people suffer badly? And they do. And we, yeah. we hear these stories as pastors and counselors. Sure. All the time. Yeah. Well, the thing that gets me about that Genesis 3, and you, you kind of alluded to it a second ago, is that, you know, there there is this sense of God would be just to not just spiritually separate them from himself, but also to physically separate them from this earth yeah. and just snap his fingers and start all over right. again. But the interesting thing about the Genesis 3 is you've got that Genesis 3.15, what we call the, you know, the proto-evangelium mm-hmm. or the proto-evangelion, mm-hmm. depending on what yeah. language you want to be pretentious with. and. And then, oh, it's always better to be pretentious with Greek. That's right. That's it's always always best. better. Yeah. But then, even at the end of that that Genesis three passage, after he banishes them from the garden, the very first thing he does is to provide clothes for them mm-hmm. to cut. Right. To, to so for me, I look at that and I start thinking, you know, the, you know, this is the this is the 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 the, the one of one of the very first 
if not the very first typological um, pointing to the the work of Christ in in covering our sins and, mm-hmm. and being uh, the one who covers our shame and and uh, to me you can't you, that's one of those moments you're like oh that's gold but I can't you know I got to put that on the shelf and use that for another day because it's it's not what we're we're focusing on today and uh, and and then jumping into the John one passage where. You know, I don't know. I, I know you have you had a lot of Greek um, in your seminary and and after, but this the 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 beautiful way he he opens that oh. gospel. Um, his his advent is creation. You know, his advent is mm-hmm. creation to to the birth of Christ and the incarnation. And uh, what a what a wonderful marriage between the two. Yeah, I and that's another piece that I left out. I really did not talk about John at all, and yeah. that that figures very prominently in John. John the Baptist figures very prominently. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. In John's uh, Advent message, that that John is the forerunner of mm-hmm. the light, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And so he has that whole thing about the light that that has come that people reject, mm-hmm. uh, but and only those who are given this light yeah or have the right to become children, uh, children of, of god. god yeah what a and and and, and yeah and, you, and even the john the baptist piece which ties the old to the new you mm-hmm. know the last the last old covenant prophet is john the baptist pointing to jesus you know and and yeah we don't have time to get into all that when you're when you're preaching this this message and, and a lot of times in an advent ser- uh, sermon series there is a week devoted to John the Baptist. Yes. Um, primarily because the Gospels spend quite a bit of time at the beginning of the Gospels mm-hmm. talking about John the mm-hmm. Baptist, uh, which is which is always interesting. You, you, you told a couple of stories that I, I want to just kind of th- throw out there as, as we were looking at this creation story and the recreation redemption. You talked about visiting Oxford and yeah. St. Mary the Virgin right. Church where they where they have the Gaia exhibit. Yeah. The Gaia exhibition. Talk about your a little it was obviously a moving experience a moment. I, I was in Oxford uh, a couple years before that exhibit showed up and, yeah. and you know had to repent of my jealousy as you <laughs> as you told me the story initially i remember you telling me when you came back and and uh thinking oh my gosh that wasn't there when i was there i yeah. did not know it was there yeah we were walking down the street and there's christ church we thought well let's 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 just go right in yeah and we did we wanted to go into its tower yeah. So from its tower, you have this commanding view mm-hmm. of Oxford. Yeah. And we, we entered the sanctuary and... It's huge. I, you, you, yeah. It, it's, I, I said, I think I said 20 feet. I think it may be even larger than yeah. that. Uh, and, and I sat down and the church is completely quiet. People were so respectful. Yeah, very reverent. And very reverent. Sat down. And as it began to rotate, it, it really is like you're sitting... In the space station, mm. without any of the hassles mm. of your hair flying everywhere, yeah. without or, the whole strapping yourself to a rocket <laughs> right, sort of yeah, thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. none of those yeah. vagarities. Uh, but it, you begin to experience. I began to experience just how fragile mm. this is. You can see the land, but there are no. There's artificial, no lines, no artificial no lines border, to yeah. say, yeah, you, you can only live here and you mm-hmm. can't come across here. And uh, there, there's no colors to tell you, you know, like this person and, and all the, the earth is 
teeming with people yeah. whom God loves. Yeah. Um, and that that was the other thing that that struck me. Yeah. When as you were telling the story, I I I, I looked it up, you know, and uh, when you came back from Oxford, you know, you and I commiserated mm, quite yeah. a bit because you know I had been in Oxford a, a couple years before and doing the very things that you had talked. Yeah. You, know, you got to see the pubs that yeah, C.S. Yeah, Lewis and J.R. Yeah, and they were all right. closed when I closed, got there. So. Post-COVID uh, closures. Yeah. Uh, amazing that the Eagle and Child is is one of the the uh, the the pub that. The, the inklings camped out in uh, one of the one of the um, the the fallout of the the pandemic, but uh, you got to see the earth. <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> you got to see yeah, the whole earth. <laughs> I, I did get to go on Addison's walk. Yeah, and uh, it's just just so so wonderful to think that you're walking down these steps. Yeah, you know that. And the other the other fun one was when he showed us the apartment that Tolkien had when he was writing part of the Lord of the Rings. It's right above, it's next door to and above uh, the first automobile garage in Oxford. And so this is where people are banging out metal fenders and, you know, working on cars, all this noise. And uh, our guide told us that, that Tolkien really did not, he, he was no fan of what the automobile was bringing <laughs> to Oxford, and that he saw uh, in the bowels of of Mordor, where they're 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 making the weapons of war. He, oh, he thought yeah. that's that he thought that was the inspiration that was the for inspiration, that chapter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But even even as you're, you know, you, this is one of the reasons that that my family and I love to travel. What you're talking about mm-hmm. with seeing the 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 guy exhibition, yeah. which is I guess touring Europe right now, and apparently at some point might come to the United I think States. Yeah, I think yeah, it will come here, which would be which would be impressive. But but even the the idea of travel. Traveling gives you that sense of perspective. You know the the mm-hmm. the fact that you know when you read Genesis one, you get down to verse twenty six, and he talks about you know let us make humanity in our image, and then male and female, mm-hmm. and then he gives them the the command the the, the be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and you start thinking about uh, every person that you pass uh, is a divine image bearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much differently you begin to think through um, both humanity, um, the people that you're passing, but then also how 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 incredibly diverse our God is. Um, that over the course of however many you know eons of time, all the different people that have ever existed uh, bear some uh, imprint of God Himself. And that those people are ones for whom Jesus died, mm-hmm. and so this this whole idea to me is is just incredibly profound, especially as we enter in to this season where we celebrate the coming of Christ. And, and it stands in contradistinction to uh, Egypt, yes. where Pharaoh, yeah, is the image of God, the only image. The of rest God. of us yeah. schmucks, <laughs> not so much, not That's at right. all. Yeah, right. We would never. Uh, we come to believe that about ourselves, yeah. and in today's world, there, there, there is so much, there's so much brokenness mm-hmm. uh, that how do you come to believe that in point of fact you are created in the image of God, mm. uh, and that you have a contribution to make within the church? Yeah. 
You don't you, you don't have to be uh, Billy Graham or, or John Fullerton to make a difference. Yeah. You know, you, what God has given you is meaningful. Yeah. And it's enough. And, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's enough. Yes. And and w- for whatever brokenness we bring to the table, whatever uh, pain, uh, futility and alienation we bring to the table or chaos and yeah. darkness, as I put it, we bring to the mm-hmm. table. God exchanges all that by the power of Christ to, to, to do with us a renewed and redeemed image so that we can be um, bear witness to him in the world it's just so so amazing it's so profound yes, to me it's uh, and this is this is the season to really think through that embrace that and be extremely grateful for it as well uh, Paul it's uh, always a pleasure to sit down yes, and indeed. talk so if anyone missed uh, this past week's sermon uh, either mine and vine or Paul's in classic uh, check out our website fpclakeland.org head over to the worship page page and the sermon archive tab you can see complete services of this first sunday in advent or any one of our previous sundays and if you miss any one of our episodes of armchair preaching i encourage you to head over to apple Podcasts, google play stitcher soundcloud uh, subscribe hit the like button share it with your friends it will it does people good man especially this time of year i'm always uh, you know newton there's folks you know uh, on occasion that come up to me and say you guys that podcast man I didn't realize, and now I go back and they start watching the sermons that they missed, uh-huh. and and so throughout the week they have the opportunity to kind of go back to God's word, which was preached for the the people, the people of God, and for themselves. Say, man, how do how does this make a difference in me? And I love that, Paul. Thank you for your time. Absolutely, thank you for your conversation, and uh, we will see everybody next time.